Welcome to the Partnernomics Show, where industry thought leaders discuss the hottest topics in partnerships, ecosystems, and innovation. The Partnernomics Show is brought to you by Iolite Solutions, a product incubator specific to Salesforce. Now here's the host of the Partnernomics Show, Mark Brigman. Welcome back to another episode of the Partnernomics Show. I am joined by my guest today, Mr. Alex Buckles. Alex, how are you doing today? Doing excellent. How about yourself, Mark? Man, doing so good. Whenever I get a chance to jump on Zoom with you, I see that awesome flag in the background. Dude, it just gets me all fired up. I love it. I love being an American. <laughs> so Alex is the CEO of Forecastable, and I had the opportunity to meet him many, many months ago. We have a lot in common, both uh, spent some time in the Marines, running businesses, highly passionate about this world of partnerships so every time i get out whenever i whenever it's a little gray outside and i need a little boost of energy man i get alex on zoom i get fired up and i'm ready to go let's do it so alex uh tell us a little bit i mean who is who is alex what in the world has gotten you to the seat that you're in today sure uh well a lot uh which i'm sure we don't have the time to go into but just introduce properly introduce myself so my name is alex buckles i'm the ceo and co-founder of forecastable uh and we're a SaaS platform that enables sales teams to more effectively co-sell with their partners uh, i'm also the founder of pathways for autism so uh, i plan on spending the rest of my life after forecastable uh, building a scalable infrastructure so every single individual on the autism spectrum can uh can find their place in the workforce and live a financially independent life um what got me here today is I, I've been in enterprise sales pretty much my entire career. Uh, after I got out of the Marine Corps, uh, I ended up, you know, uh, working a couple of retail jobs, uh, retail sales jobs, and my very first professional position was an enterprise AE. I never went through the SDR route. I never did any of that. Um, and you know, so I've been an enterprise AE for a long time. I've been a VP of sales. Uh, I've sold two companies uh, along the way, and. Uh, as we started building out sales technology, which is what Forecastle is at its core, uh, we realized that that folks weren't really buying sales tech uh, over the last three or four years. VCs have have just you know VC money has been so cheap and readily available they way overbought it. Uh, and so when we started seeing all of this investment in partnerships and partner co-selling, um, I mean from a venture capital perspective, we're like, hey, why don't we take all this wonderful enterprise sales? best practice stuff and bring it to the co-sell motion because I've co-sold my whole career. Um, and it's just been, it's been great ever since. That's how we got here. <laughs> love your guys' company, love what you do, love the vision that you have for it. And obviously there's, there's no doubt there's massive need out there. So let's dive in. Let's hit some of these uh, different topics and sure. let's kind of unpack what this world of co-selling is. So let's just right from the start, right? Let's build this thing from the ground up. I'm a, what, is co-selling what's it not right it's for decades and decades and decades we've been doing this stuff but now it just seems in the last several years we're starting to put some definition around you know what this means and what some of those success practices are sure so uh co-selling is when uh two or more partners come together to jointly win deals right and and it can take uh and there's various subsets of that like it can take the shape of two partners coming together to jointly close a net new deal so they're following you know the best practice processes to co-sell together and operate as that unified front uh it could be uh, upsell cross-sell where you're helping each other you know upsell cross-sell into your customer base um it could be you know you working with your customer success org you know uh, or working with your partner's customer success org to go get more integrations into your technology so you're co-selling with cs instead of sales uh, it can be a lot of things but at its core it's really just two or more partnering companies coming together aligning as a unified front and jointly winning business now uh you also ask like what is it not um, and, you know, I'm starting to see a lot more, you know, uh, education around co-selling out there. And a lot of folks are focused on 
opportunity sharing or like, hey, uh, let me just say we're in a deal. Let me just let my partner know we're in the deal. And they call in that co-selling or um, just AE to AE introductions. Like, hey, we know we're in a deal. Let's just introduce the AEs and hope that they like happen to know what to do with it, <laughs> with the co-sell motion. That is not co-selling. That to me is like, Frankly, it's like it's like a football game. It's like there's a kickoff guy catches the ball. He's still got to run down the field. There's lots of blocking and tackling. But that kickoff is just like what what starts, you know, it's what starts things. And and so in AE introductions and, and sharing opportunities is not co-selling. So there's a lot of structure that goes into it or a lot more structure than simply kind of referring or making introductions or doing those sorts of things. There actually is a piece behind this. And I guess we'll, we'll let the cat out of the bag for just a second. Uh, Alex is uh, working on a course. He's working on a, a little bit of information uh, to share some of his success practices and some of his structures that we'll be able to, to offer in the coming months. So uh, definitely looking forward to continuing the collaboration on that piece. But it's going to be so awesome because, man, for years and years and years, right? I mean, just this whole world of partnering it's like, man, I, mean, I, I listen to these podcasts. I hear about these frameworks and different pieces. But I mean, like, I understand the what and the why, but it's about the how. I mean, how do I actually implement these pieces? I mean, what to the, at the ground floor level, what are these pieces? And then how do I implement those? And frankly, I mean, that's really what the Partnernomics show is about. And yeah. that's what Partnernomics as an organization is about. Uh, we want to get out of that 40,000 foot level and let's get yeah. down to the ground floor to help people actually implement yeah, and, and maybe like starting out with that how is like is why why this is a problem or a challenge to begin with. It's like I feel like in my own career, remember, I do you remember when uh, when uh, what's it called? Uh, predictable revenue came out, like the whole SDR outbound. It was like right after inbound, inbound will always be around. Um, and then it's like, no, there's a faster way to go get customer attention. Let's go outbound, right? Um, and so like a lot of sales reps got used to this motion. They're working their own deals. And like, and I was I'm guilty of this too. Like I always worked with partners, but never formally through my partnerships org. They always felt like I knew they were there. I didn't really know what they did for me. I'm like, cause I'm, I'm very focused on like, you know, helping me win my deals. And they would just maybe give me some overlaps and say, Hey, we have this in common, but like there was no instruction for what to do with it. And so most sales reps treat the partnerships org like, Hey, give me leads. Like, and then that's just what it is. Uh, and that, that's not at all how it goes. Uh, and so when you, when you ask me like, Hey, like how, how can people start like doing this or what is the mindset shift? It's like, no, you've got to enable those AEs. AEs do not know how to co-sell. There is a best practice and it's going to be specific to your company. Um, there isn't just like one, yes, there's the best practices in general around co-selling, but getting into like your, your co-selling matrix where you're looking at the overlap data, every single one of those cells in that co-selling matrix should have its own enablement program and things like that. So because you have to give reps instructions on what to do with that information. Otherwise, they're going to fly blind and you're kind of staring down the barrel of a lost deal or a slip deal at best. Yeah. All right, man. So let's dive into the next question and really just more kind of more of a topic. What I'd like for you to do is just kind of speak to the CRO. I speak to the CRO that's out there, right? I mean, we've been doing, like we talked about, I mean, this co-selling has been around for a while, but uh, we're starting to put a little bit more definition to it, put some names to it, those sorts of things. But like from a CRO, especially now, right? We're seeing some, some downsizing, some shifting, those sorts of things. There's never an unlimited budget and CROs right. are making some tough decisions now. Speak to the CRO about what co-selling is and some things that they need to consider. Sure. Um, so when I think, you know, speaking to CROs, it, it comes down to customer acquisition costs, right? And so you're looking at, I'm seeing 
sales teams, marketing, partnerships, customer success support, like a lot of folks are, are, are getting laid off and I'm not seeing a corresponding drop in quota for a lion share of these organizations. Uh, and let's face it, on top of that, um, you've got increased costs in marketing spend, paid ads are, are getting more expensive by the day. Um, you've got situations where the, the traditional SDR outbound model isn't as effective. You know, Gartner's saying that, you know, for every 1,000 phone calls you make, you're going to get less than 10 people to actually pick up the phone. And then you've got to be an awesome SDR to even to like turn that into a meeting. It's like, that is not the most productive use of time. And so like, there's a lot of spend in that direction. So a lot of folks today are gonna be like, okay, well, I don't, they don't know what else to do um, aside from what they've always done. And so when it comes to like, uh, to partnerships, there is a trusted, I think when, it, when you think about that, that strategic net new account that you really want to earn as a strategically important for you as a company from a CRO's perspective, it's like that company already has a set of trusted vendors in their ecosystem, right? And these are vendors they've already vetted, that they have relationships with, that they've, they've you know, uh, banked their jobs, you know, potentially in some of these vendors. And it's much easier, it's a much faster path to kicking off a cycle if you get referred in to a customer by one of those trusted vendors. Basically, you're borrowing their trust um, to get your foot in the door. So not only does that lead to faster timed opportunity, it results in shorter sales cycles, increased deal sizes, um, you name it, but the, the, the number one thing is lower customer acquisition costs. And so I, I can tell you here at our business, we don't spend anything uh, in terms of paid advertising or things like that. Uh, probably 95% of our, of our leads coming in the door are coming from our co-selling partners. So our CAC is next to nothing. Man, that's so true. Like all of the statistics and the data support that, but yeah. yet there's still this, the second piece is missing. And that is how can we get smarter about working with partners. It's not just doing it, but it's doing it right, doing it yes. well to make sure that you get that piece. And I think that, uh, you know, we talk about the science of partnering and, and just making it more of a predictable, repeatable process that everyone understands. Uh, so that brings me to the next question that is around, I know we're both big fans of, of playbooks and putting these yeah. things uh, out here so we can actually see this recipe for success. Yeah. I know you uh, coach a lot of different partnering professionals on, on how to co-sell and how to do it well, but talk to us a little bit about, you know, kind of the use of playbooks and what that means inside of Forecastable. Sure. So um, playbook. So sales, let's talk about partner ecosystem platforms at first, right? And like account overlap data. The reason why, like, because account overlap data exists, it kind of created this challenge in the marketplace. And it's a good challenge. It's like partnerships can now ramp and activate, you know, faster than ever before, because you now know, hey, this partner already has these 30 customers that I want. That tells me, like, I want to spend time with them. If you only have one, maybe I don't spend time with you, right? So it helps you prioritize faster. But the challenge is, is that sales reps can't possibly memorize every single play with every single partner for every single sales scenario they may find themselves in. And, and so like, we need to give them instructions, like I said earlier. So going back to that co-selling matrix where you're like, hey, let's pick one cell out of that matrix where maybe you've got this account listed as a prospect and your partner has them listed as a customer, what set of instructions am I going to give them? And that's where it comes down to playbooks. And so uh, in playbooks, you want to, add, you know, uh, if you're, if you want the, it's like, what do you want the rep doing? Do you want them gathering intelligence? If so, what intelligence should they be gathering from this particular partner in this specific scenario? 
Um, you want them asking for advocacy. Um, it's not just gathering intelligence. You want them to possibly introduce you to the customer or at least make that customer aware that you exist and the value that you potentially bring to the table. And in that playbook, you should have email templates and messaging for, for how you ask for that introduction or ask for that advocacy. Um, and then there's the scenario where like you're actually doing true co-selling where you're not just gathering intelligence or asking for advocacy. You're coming together, operating as a unified front and jointly working that deal. Um, you know, it's, it's, you need to give them in that playbook, what's our better together story, what messaging, what positioning, what collateral should we have? Uh, and then beyond that, it's like, what co-selling process should we be following? You can't just throw a standard sales process into a co-selling motion and your co-selling plan will be different for every single partner that you work with. And that's what goes into a playbook. Well, Alex, I think you and I are probably predisposed to believing in process with our yeah. backgrounds in the, in the military and probably other places. But one of the things that I, I mean, kind of a common theme that I see is we, you know, coach and work with partnering professionals across the world is it's one thing to kind of see a process, kind of walk through a process, even learn the process, but it's a whole nother thing to adopt it, implement it and put it in place. And, you know, we kind of use the phrase of sometimes you have to slow down to speed up. You know, you, yes. you have to, put some process in place to make it repeatable, make it predictable, get the outcomes that you want. Um, by the way, just uh, just when you say slow down to speed up, it's like, by, there's an opportunity right now. You've just been slowed down because of the economy, period. Whether you wanted to slow down or not, you've been slowed down. So why not start thinking about that process? You're, you're going slow anyway. May as well make some adjustments so you can go faster a few months from now. Just that just triggered as you said that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's it. It's, um, you know, whenever people jump in to work with a new solution or even to take a training course or to run across some content, they see this process. They're like, okay, awesome. I'm going to read through it. I'm going to stick it in my head. And then I'm going to use that going forward. Yep. That's not a process. Yep. And, and that's not going to get you the repeatable, predictable outcomes that you want. It might work, but you don't really know like why it worked or how it worked. I'd like for you to just coach, you know, maybe it's, you know, some of those partnering professionals that's out there working the co-selling deals, coach them through the slowdown to get a good process, a disciplined process in place that they follow so that it can allow them to speed up and to get the results that they actually want. Sure. Um, and that comes down to like, really, like, I think a lot of folks look at this and see like, oh, we're going to make these big changes and change management. And they get overwhelmed by all the, by, you know, by thinking about what I'm about to say, I guess, you know, throughout the entirety of their, of their partner ecosystem. But in general, just start with one, maybe to three partners. And there's a few, yes. like, if you're going to slow down, pick one to three partners where you've got a great, better together story. And for each individual partner, go to that co-selling matrix and figure out, which cell in this matrix am I going to get the biggest bang for my buck where I want to try and experiment with this, this really highly structured co-cell motion? Um, and so once you pick that cell, and again, it could be prospects and customers, it could be open ops and customers or whatever that may be, um, you know, once you pick that, so start out with uh, number one, what is your co-cell plan and how do you start there? So that starts with you each have your own individual mutual mutual action plans or close plans, and those are very inwardly focused on, on you as one individual vendor closing your deal. So start out by merging those and saying, hey, 
eliminate the where you've got duplicate you know milestones in your close plans merge those and then determine hey what should step one be partner a does discovery partner step two partner b does does scoping step three executive alignment like figure out what that best coast in turn individual mutual action plans into a single co-sell plan that's step one um, step two is a little bit more advanced, uh, and, and, and you may want to rope in, I highly recommend you rope in sales enablement and, and possibly a sales leader, uh, into that is looking at your opportunity qualification methodology and, and saying, you know, how do you individually qualify opportunities today, right? Whether you're using medic or, or whatever, whatever, whatever methodology you're using, and then look at it through the th jointly through the lens of the cosell motion and say, how would we qualify this opportunity differently? If we knew that both of us were at the table, would we, would we even do anything different? And the answer might be no, and that's okay, but you should go through the exercise of doing that. Um, and between those two things, once you have the process in place and the reps know what they're doing, they have their better together stories. So they're they're communicating the value of the joint solution together really effectively, and they're qualifying an opportunity. Like, there's no reason why you can't win that deal. Good stuff, man. I love uh, I love the process. I love the step by step, and it's just having the discipline to put it in place and to test it through, and then to tune it. I love the advice that you gave and we share the same thing because literally 98% of our learners, of our clients, they already have programs. They're already in flight. They're already doing it. Yeah. They're just wanting to optimize. They're, they're wanting to tune it. They're wanting to, to bring some science into it to make it more uh, predictable and repeatable. That is, I love that approach. Take two, three different partners or different scenarios and start there. Don't try to put it all the way across, but just start with where you're going to get the best results. Where, where is that low hanging fruit? Where can you get the most you know, bang for the buck? Start there and you will prove to yourself that this process, this discipline is valuable. That's the slowing it. down the speed up allows you to speed up. That's right. And all you need to get started is a little bit of overlap data, which we all know to the world is free and a spreadsheet. I mean, and, and we've got templates and things like that that we can hand out so you can get started like that. It's obviously much easier to, to use when you've got a, a full system in place, but you don't need to spend anything to go try this out to prove the value and the impact on your revenue. Absolutely. Um, one more question for you here, Alex. So this you know, this is continuing to evolve uh, this world that we're in. I've heard you use the ecosystem word several different times. And so, you know, as we move deeper and deeper into, you know, 21st century economy, you can't go it alone. There's all these different technologies that are that are getting connected together to make that easy button bigger. Uh, obviously, co-selling is going to continue to be more valuable and more important as we move deeper and deeper into this. What are some of the different roles that you've seen kind of come to life over the last several years that are helping to facilitate the the co-sell motion. Well, there's a there's a couple of roles that are starting to become more prevalent, um, both on the SDR side, and then uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what's called a co-sell alignment specialist. Um, but you know, you, you, again, we talked earlier about kind of the ineffectiveness of, of outbound, or at least the diminishing returns that everyone's starting to see um, in direct outbound through like the traditional SDR model. Uh, but in general. There should be, you know, for every every organization, you should have an inbound ecosystem SDR or ecosystem BDR uh, and an outbound ecosystem BDR. Um, and your inbound is financially incentivized to take calls from partners, gather intelligence and advocacy and talk to the customer success managers that own these accounts and provide that value to the partner that's requesting it. 
And the partner that's requesting it, that is an outbound ecosystem BDR whose job is to call on other BDRs to go ask for that intelligence and advocacy, gather as much as they can. So you're filling in your opportunity qualification along the way, and you're essentially serving up on a, you know, an opportunity up on a silver platter to an account executive. And that effort, I mean, man, when you talk about, I mean, would you want to, Mark, would you want to make a thousand cold calls a day and get like 10 pickups? It's like, I, I would want to punch myself in the face, like constantly. Um, if you now transition to the ecosystem or partnerships BDR, they're getting a pickup every single time because this person's incentivized. And they're a lot, by the way, along the way, they're learning how to do discovery. They're learning how to, how to, how to seek out pain points, which is a much more translatable skill into the eventual AE that most of these BDRs end up becoming versus just showing up, becoming an AE and be like, well, I know how to hammer uh, phones and inboxes all day. So, uh, you know, let, let's go down that path. So I like the ecosystem BDR. And then two, thinking about uh, like operationally, when you start getting into co-selling, like there are lots of complexities that come up, right? It's hard enough to get your sales reps to go focus, to like do the process you already put in place for your own direct sales org and to collaborate with all of your internal stakeholders, right? And now, which could be SDRs, AEs, legal, finance, right? And then you bring in a co-selling partner who, by the way, has also all those same roles inside of a deal, right? So it gets really complex really fast. Um, and so that's why the co-sell alignment specialist is somebody that sits in the background and and, and is always constantly looking at your COSO plans. Do we have any past due dates? What does our buyer map look like? You know, and, and is, it, is it filled into the point? Is it filled in properly for the current stage we're at in the deal? And then also too, that, that COSO alignment specialist should be gathering data and generating deal summaries and sending them out to the, both the partner managers that care about these deals and the sales managers. So everybody's constantly aligned on close date, next steps and process. And that alignment specialist just works wonders. So that way the AE is not constantly burdened with having to figure out how to manage a co-sell cycle. Well, Alex, you said one word a couple of times, I think is super important, frequently comes up in our conversations in our boot camps, and that is around like incentives hmm. and putting the right incentives in place. I mean, from my background in economics, man, people respond to incentives, right? Yes. So you have to have the right incentives at the right place and it's different, right? When a lot of times these organizations, it's been my experience, right? They start off with this direct sales uh, approach yep. and very independent, us against the world, us in the foxhole. A few yep. years go by, hey, let's leverage the power of partnership and let's leverage the capabilities and networks. Uh, like you just mentioned, uh, let's, let's leverage this within our partners so we can get in there faster. Let's leverage the, the equity of, of trust that they've built. Uh, but then that requires a shifting of the culture to interdependence yeah. and also even looking at uh, some shifts in incentives that need to happen. This is a huge, we need to do this as a follow-up, you know, because yeah. I'll just kind of throw this teaser out there, but man, how many times do I see um, even inside of organizations, different roles and different teams competing against each other and viewing that, and wow, how unproductive is that? But we'll save that for another time. But just talk to us about incentives and how that could be structured inside of this co-sell motion to level out some of the friction that, that is commonly injected in whenever companies start doing co-selling. Well, I mean, there's, you know, there's the obvious incentives, like on the account executive side where you can bake in, you know, uh, you know, uh, kickers and things like that for, for, for partner involved deals. 
Um, so that can incentivize the AE to, you know, to, to jointly work uh, with partners, you know, on the ecosystem, you know, uh, BDR side, both inbound and outbound, those incentives are pretty straightforward too. It's like on the, on the inbound side, you measure them on value given and value provided. Right. And so um, if they provided enough value and that other outbound BDR says, yeah, that man, that, that, that man or that woman provided me like amazing value, right. They deserve to get paid for that. And, and so that's how they get measured. Um, and then of course, so that's like giving value. And then on the on the inbound, I'm sorry, on the outbound side, it's about receiving value and saying, did I create something? Did I gather enough intelligence or advocacy? Um, that, did I create something that's usable in some one of my outbound communications by leveraging my partner network? Um, and so we, you can measure that as well. Uh, and I've got a bunch of metrics that we can use in the background uh, beneath that. Yeah, awesome. Uh, I, I love that you said also that it's, a partnering professional's obligation, and it should be a part of what they're thinking about every conversation they have with a partner is, am I and how can I provide value to my partner? Yes. If your, if your partnering function, if your partnering program is failing, answer that question first. Are you committed and also thinking about providing value to your partner? Because if that answer is no, I'm 95% interested in just getting what I need out of this relationship, what you're saying, what you're doing, and how you're treating the relationship is probably following suit with that. And a partnership that only works for one side works for zero sides. So uh, on on that note, it's give for me, it's like give fast and give often. So whenever I personally start a new partnership, I try like I go to the I go to the ends of the earth trying to get that partner a couple of deals right out of the gate, because like then and only then do people get excited. Hey, this partner delivers, so this partner cares about me. And by the way, they also they feel obligated now to, to reciprocate. And then you start as you and then if you both go at that angle and you start like selflessly just giving each other value all the time, it will just end up working. Now, it's not always going to be even in terms of deal flow. But at the end of the day, if you feel like you're both selflessly giving value, you're doing the right thing and you're in the, you're with the right partner. If you have a great strategy, if you recruit well, meaning that you have the ability to set up this type of a relationship, you're not going to end up with 90% of your partners being your quote unquote partners being anchors, which is a, is a statistic that I hear all the time. Only 10% of your of those partners in those big networks actually provide consistent value. That means you're doing it wrong. <laughs> There's right. a better way to do it. Right. Alex, man, it's been so good chatting with you. I'm fired up now. Me too. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for your time. And we're definitely going to have you back on here to share some additional insights. And you know, as we had, as we had shared, you know, you're working on an awesome course with us as one of our subject matter experts. So we're looking forward to, to bringing that and making that available. Well, thank you for having me. And I look forward to doing more. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of the Partnernomics Show. Don't forget to subscribe to get the newest episodes at thepartnernomicsshow.com. Special thanks to our sponsors, Iolite. To learn more about Iolite, visit iolitepro.com. And Partnernomics, the science of partnering. To learn more about the suite of Partnernomics courses, coaching programs, and consulting services, visit partnernomics.com. See you on the next episode.